He's clapping. Psyching no, himself somebody's up. at the door. Somebody's at the door. Oh. <laughs> uh, hello? Door? <laughs> it's your sister, the queen. <laughs> Eric was like, I've got an intro, everybody, and I, I had no idea where you were going with this, but you're the here. The queen, your sister, the queen, as if that changes from time to time. If I wanted to kill you, I would do it myself, okay? Hey, uh, guess guess what, everybody? It's Game of Owns, and Marco's here joining us. Hello, good morning from Europe. Good morning from Europe. That's the new television show we're going to make together. <laughs> <laughs> time is now upon us, or it was upon us about an hour and a half ago, depending on what part of the world you're from. It was upon it for Marco last week because he's more cooler and specialer than we are. And That's true. neither of those things were words. You just made them up, yeah. That's not till later. That's not till later, himself. right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about this? This is, this is, this is, uh, okay, this is how we start the show. <sighs> Uh, uh, ooh, ooh. I'm running through the floor. Oh, oh, this fucking coat. Oh, it's such a big fucking coat. Wait, wait. That's a friend of mine. Wait, it's a crow. It's a crow. Sam. Oh. Uh, uh, hey, Sam. Uh, hey, uh, uh, don't, don't mind my head. It's dismembered. I'm, I'm not dead yet. And then the wildling slash white walker people swoop in. A wolf saves the day and we begin our first ever episode of season three in Game of Owns. And what an opening. And I'm glad, you know what? I'm glad they didn't ignore the ending of the last season. Not that they do that, but I'm just saying I'm glad the action started with Sam because that was such an epic end to a season last season, obviously. Now, I still, it's still a little unclear. I read Marco's review in season two. That gave a good reason for the White Walkers not really pursuing Sam here. But, but I, I, I guess they just really didn't consider him a threat. They allowed him to, to, to sort of run off, kind of like what they did with the deserter at the very, very beginning of the series, you know, just warn the others, that sort of thing. So, Which also happened to be a part of the show today, Mr. Marco. Hear me roar from Winter is Coming, who actually wrote said recap that Eric has been linking about tonight. How are you, sir? It's nice to be here, calling in from Europe. Um I'm I'm pretty well. I haven't slept much, but um, it's going to be fun. But it's all this Game of Thrones excitement, isn't it? You can't sleep. M- must be, must be. Yeah, the the whole first episode's been replaying in my head ever since I saw it. Marco knows Selena's pain because Selena usually has to record with us, or Selena records with us at a much later time than us because she's from across the planet, as Marco is. And now, ironically, exactly. Selena. Is in San Francisco, and she can't be with us because she's on a trip with her family. So uh, we're minus one Selena, plus one Marco today. There you go. She's been replaced. There you go. I had flashbacks to the the end of Sopranos right at the beginning of of this particular episode. I don't know if you guys have watched Sopranos, but just kind of not to give anything away, but I I, I guess I technically am giving it away. Where it just all goes black. <laughs> the 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 show goes to credits at the end of Sopranos. Micah and the spoiler engine of war are here today. Mm-hmm. Even I knew that, and I've never seen that show. Yes, the infamous fade to black. I think there was snow at the end of Sopranos, though. Sure. If you know what I'm so talking about, to black. You yeah, think so? I, well, it's not right at the very end, but it's uh, people listening. And if you're HBO fans in general, you might know. If you're just fans of blood and gore, you also might know. Either way, it was an ending. It's here. It happened. So, so did they save money in that scene? <laughs> like, how many <laughs> they, millions of dollars did they save? <laughs> they reversed it. Yeah. I was reading an interview with the Grit uh, this morning, actually, right after I read Marco's review, and she was talking about how difficult it actually is to run through the snow, and and she can't make it look difficult because she's playing as somebody who does that all her life, but. For ta- for Sam to have this coat that was th- like twice as high, twice as tall as he was, that had a trail, man. That was like a wedding gown sort of trail. Obviously, you need that for the warmth up north. But his coat was so heavy, he's just running and running and running, running for like this long time, man. I was worried. I was like, he's going to keel over. He's going to be warm, but he's not going to be <laughs> able to move. And then, of course, he saw somebody and thought it was his savior. It wasn't. It was good exercise. Yes, yeah, good, yeah. good exercise for Sam. But, but did you did you feel any danger for him? I mean, you guys have said, uh, you know, on the show before, you haven't read the books. So, 
who knows with the way that George R. R. Martin writes that this could potentially have been the end for him. Just because I don't, I don't, it's a premiere doesn't mean that he's safe. I did think I that. don't feel any danger because considering what he was in the last <laughs> the end of last season, <laughs> if he was gonna die, yeah. he would have gotten killed by one of the seven million um <laughs> White Walkers. Like if you escape that many White Walkers, you can't in good faith be killed. Like you just when he walked up to that guy. I thought that he was going to sort of stand up like a sensei from an old Japanese movie and be like, all right, now you die. And I thought he was just going to slice him in half. <laughs> like literally, I, I honestly, I, I did think that was the end of Sam for a moment because I didn't – I don't know anything about what's happening to him in the future. So mm-hmm. it could – I mean it very well could have been. We, we, we're told that it's going to be shocking. Game of Owns is going to get shocking this season, guys. <laughs> we're going to start killing <laughs> off people. Marco's coming over with a with a band of slave soldiers and he's like, hey, can I crash at your place? And I'm like, what about all them? He's like, oh, they'll sleep on the couch. It's cool. And uh, it's going to get nuts here. I wonder who's going to die first. Well, I, I was already killed off in season one. So it's, it's definitely not going to be me. Well, Selena's not here. So I guess she's the first victim. She is. Yeah. Mm. Or Micah, you can, you can come back from the death, right? Yeah, could happen. <laughs> That's true. You never yeah. know. Your eyes yeah. is a white. <laughs> could be a white. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to ask you though, Marco, since you said that you had seen the episode earlier ask, in yeah. the week, uh, you know, there were preview. There, there was sort of a season recap leading into uh, this, this particular ah, episode. Yeah, I didn't see that. Right, and and for me, there there was a big giveaway, and I was talking to Eric about this mm. before. What did they, it do? They showed the scene uh, with Sir Barristan Selmy. Ah, uh, I was afraid they'd do that. Yeah, in the in the throne room where uh, Joffrey and Cersei get rid of him, and and to me that was that was a little bit of a cue that he might be coming back in this this season. I didn't know he was going to come back this episode, but that he would be back mm, this season. Right. Was that the the only scene from the first season, or probably uh, not? Right. No, I think it was. I think oh, it was. Yeah. Well, then that's crap. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that. I think. Well, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they do that for people like me. Like I'm, I'm the one who needed that, that scene to happen because then I could, I kind of knew, I, it's true. I took a cue from it and knew to kind of anticipate his plot line moving forward. But still, like there are a lot of characters to keep, um, you know, track of. And I wasn't sure. I had to ask Mike. I was like, did we not see him all of season two? Because we may have. He could have been a huge character in Blackwater for all I know. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. So, the fact that that was, I guess, the last time we saw him and they were showing that to me helped right. tons. Thank you, HBO. Thank you, Benny Offenweiss. Um, <laughs> that said, we did recently read that scene in the book when he leaves, and I just think he is the most badass character. And for him to have returned in such a way as he did on tonight's episode, man, I am I'm all about it. Yeah. I think that – that was awesome. Yeah, my mind oh, yeah, was completely was blown. I, I think for some people it might not be the biggest reveal of the first episode because, I mean, we've seen this happen. I mean, now we have two seasons, but we've seen it happen with countless other television series that, you know, the first episode, we'll call it air quotes, the pilot, and especially in Thrones, we've kind of grown accustomed to, here's the cliffhanger thing, or like, here's the thing. <laughs> it's, there was Bran, you know, and it's just like, here's the thing that's going to tie you in. But this time it was pulling up some canon where it was Barristan Selmy. And damn it, he is a badass. All right? He saw that Pokeball roll across the deck, and he was like, <laughs> stop! And he stabbed it with a scorpion knife. And then he, he killed it. This a- this is what, what, what got me, is that he seemed to know, okay, I, on one hand, I want to be like, he knew just how to deal with that magical scorpion demon thing. <laughs> a, but, and so, like, is he trained in the magical arts? Can we look forward to him, like, kicking some magic's ass? Or or was he just, you know, you stab it with a sword is the other side of it. It's just like like anything you would handle, right? So I don't particularly know how to comment on whether or not he can handle supernatural forces, although he ran after that little girl pretty well, um, though she got away. But well, yeah, I thought it was a badass entry. By the way, yeah, it was it was badass, and, and it was a, it was a good scene to end the episode on. So I liked it. Yeah. I'm going to venture a guess here and say that Danny, that Daenerys, is more pleased to have Barriss and Selmy on her guard than. Those eight thousand baby killers, <laughs> probably. The, what are, what are they? The unsullied. The unsullied. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think for Danny now, she has somebody who has direct ties to her family, and and that's extremely important. And I think Jora was a little bit unsettled by the fact that Barristan has now shown up. You know, he he heaps a very high amount of praise onto him. 
you know, when, when he describes who he is, but at the same time, uh, you know, he says that he's a sworn sword to Robert Baratheon. And so, uh, you know, you can tell there's a little bit of tension between the two of them already. I look forward to seeing that unfold in the future episodes, but yeah, he totally had a, um, like a, a bad look on, on his face. Like he smelled, you know, something unpleasant because I don't know what it is. Isn't Jorah supposed to be a spy for, for the crown? Too as well, so they're both kind of on the side of well, Barrison Selmy did serve Baratheon, but he also served Targaryen, and they just kind of don't. I I think he's being territorial for Danny. Um, is I think what what Jorah's doing. Uh, you're you're very observant. Good points there. My my point of view, I see him as going. Oh, another strong guy. This maybe makes me look a little less strong because he said himself is one of <laughs> yeah. the greatest fighters ever. But I feel like Barrison's going to come into the situation. This is just me looking forward. I see him as confiding in Danny and being like, hey, you know Jorah kind of like likes you for more than a friend, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to be like, oh, that's silly. He's my blah, blah, blah. He's going to be like, yeah, he does. Anyway, so let's keep going. But I just want to let you know that. So I think that that Jorah is probably, yeah, he's territorial because he's going to be like, all right, well, now there's another guy who can speak English being thrown into the mix, you know? <laughs> English was his native language, you know? Well, I noticed when Jorah was was um, giving Danny advice on the, um, sorry, the Dothraki when they were on the ship, and of course the Dothraki are getting seasick, you know, they're all kind of kind of weak, but he's telling her, hilarious. oh yeah, they follow <laughs> Power above all. Yeah, they follow power above all. He's giving her all this advice, but by the end of the episode, she's looking at the prospect of hiring these unsullied, you know, eunuchs, and it seems like Jorah's knowledge of the Tothraki are no longer, and it's not going to be as useful to her as she picks up these other armies. She's going to need kind of a different sort of advisor, and that guy is going to be Selmy. Or is Jorah going to be a different kind of advisor for her? <laughs> mm. I like that, though, Eric. I think uh, that's that's an interesting observation that you make. Uh, yeah, I mean, his usefulness is dwindling the further they get from Vos Dothrak. Another interesting thing I thought was, well, I was waiting for Jorah to cut in and speak in whatever language that guy was speaking me in. too and thank you i thought that moment was gonna come <laughs> that would have been so badass Dude, that was such a smackdown that was laid on danny that was that was unbelievable that lasted five minutes longer than i could have hoped for it to last because he kept referring to her as the westerosian whore yeah and, you know, saying that jorah smelled was an old man that smelled like piss it's like he smells like shit or something <laughs> Do you do you really mean to ask me to ask him that, my lord? No. <laughs> are you a whore or a horse or a, a he goes, girl? Are you for a girl or that? a goat to ask such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks up to the soldier. He goes, "Hey, oh, you want to know if they're tough?" He goes, "Check this out." And he pulls out his little. He pulls out his chef knife. He's a he's a chef on the weekends, uh, a part time <laughs> chef. And he walks up to the guy and he goes, "Hey, can you open your uh, shirt?" Your sh can you open your shirt for a second? I want to. I want to show my friend. And he chops off his nipple. <laughs> he slices off his man teat. Okay. This is yes, but this is a contender for owns. I think of the episode because the guy replies to him. This one is proud to have served. I'm like, what? Wow. So that's their purpose. That's their function is to stand there and take it when their yeah. nipple gets. Cut off. By the way, Twitter just came alive. I was I retweeted some of it, but it was all about <laughs> nipples and how important it is. People were irked. I think that was probably the gross out kind of spit take, you know, shot of this episode for a lot of people. Good. Looking forward to our Twitter recap. So stay tuned for that. Fabio's going to do it. We have a selection of owns that are rolling in still from you guys on both Facebook and Twitter that we have reserved for the end of the episode. This was a TV show that we all watched together, and we got to see The King yes. Beyond the Wall, yes. which I know Eric is excited to start talking about. Aren't you, Eric? Well, you said the owns were rolling in on Twitter, and they are, but the stones were also rolling in. They were hitting John in the face. <laughs> the rolling stones. Were, the rolling stones. They were. They were. People were just throwing stones at him when he when they got to the encampment finally, and I grew uh, a little. It wasn't an extra limb, but it's like a little nub. If you if I. What? If I lean in like this, you can, in if I world? lean in like this, you can feel that. Listen, okay. this is respect for John. 
This is respect for John that I that just happened. You this grew episode. respect for John. I don't really think very highly of him, but the way he handled himself in front of Mance Raider and the way he handled himself by get you know allowing himself to get hit with rocks, I kind of like him. I like this new John that we're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, ladies? Just throw rocks at Eric. <laughs> <laughs> now, how, how about the uh, the giant though that he he walks past? Uh, you know, it was, it's kind of like one of those scenes where you, somebody who's never experienced fantasy before, or it's almost like entering Jurassic Park, and you see like one of these massive dinosaurs walk by, <laughs> and you, you just kind of your eyes kind of gloss over and I feel like that's exactly what happened to him because he's been hearing these stories probably his entire life and now he is here he is experiencing it for the first time Mike is making a joke it's actually just like Mike at work because he works at the NBA so he's hanging out with all these 6'10 guys all the time yeah good Colonel, Colonel Hammerfist was a colorful gentleman except for when he found John staring at him and Agrit warned him. She was like, hey, don't stare at the giant. He's really shy. And if he catches you staring, he's either A, going to be embarrassed or two, he's going to throw you into the fire and pull your limbs limb from limb. So, yeah. But, but what do you think about the scene inside of the tent where you could argue maybe he wasn't too observant? The fact that he thinks that, um, you know, Tormund Giant Spain is actually Mance Raider, but it turns out that it's not. How observant can you be if Mance Raider is hiding in a cot? You know, behind a curtain on the other side of the, you know, room, like Giant's Bane was standing right in the middle of the, the tent, you know, it seemed to be the most obvious choice. He was, he was leaning over munching on chicken, like, like he, he just like had no manners, actually. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. But I, I wanted to throw it to Marco because it's a little bit different than the book, right? To, to me, at least, it was a, it was a good abbreviation of what, what happens at the beginning when John enters and so on and looks around and, sees these guys and makes mistakes and so on. But the the reasoning why he gets to eventually join the wildlings, that that's different. But I think they played it out effectively. I mean it was, it was good writing, it, it makes sense. And it's 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 still ambiguous obviously, right? Whether they, they like him or not, whether they believe him and that, that will be one of the main themes in the following episodes. But uh, I don't actually mind the, the change they made there. But he, but he also throws Old Bear under the bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, for selling out those, those – for fighting for the other side. You know, he's he's fighting for the winners is what he says he wants to – for the for the life. For the living, yeah. The living, yeah, fighting for the living. You know, Eric, what you said earlier about uh, – like John actually – he does look much tougher because one of my, my note in this – part of the show was hard-ass conversationing from Jon Snow. Didn't it just yeah. seem like he had a little bit more... He was just like, you know what? I just stabbed a guy. All right. It's been really cold outside. I'm hanging out with a girl now. She likes me back. Uh... I'm on this side because of this. He was just really he was he was so adamant in the way he thought. He seemed like he he had his brain and his wits in the right place. Well, yeah, and I I thought he was screwed at first because when he walked in there and they asked him, well, Mance Raider finally went up and revealed himself and asked him, "Why do you want to join us?" And he was, you know, gave that weak answer at first. I'm like, I forget what he said at first. He said, and I then, like goats. And Mance Raider was like, oh, you want to be a hero? And then he came up with that badass story about, well, obviously it was true, but about Craster. I didn't know John had all those feelings. At the end of last season, he's continuing, he's continually castrated by Egret. Kicking his ass at every every corner, right? And he's a, he's a, he's emasculated. He doesn't have any backbone at all. He allows her to escape. He allows her to trick him into a trap. He's getting nowhere in a hurry. And finally, now he's he's obviously when he needs it the most, he's able to kind of maybe wedge some respect in there somewhere. I like it. But then that's the last time we see him for the rest of the episode. Um, and we're we're taken over to King's Landing where we get to see good old Tyrion. Uh, and actually, it's before we see Tyrion, we see Bronn, <laughs> favorite uh, unnecessary, gratuitous sex scenes. No, it was fine. It was good. It was Bronn hanging out. He was enjoying the spoils of war. And then, unfortunately, he experienced what will now be known as the most world famous pod block of the season where Podrick decided to walk up into <laughs> That's a pod block. <laughs> he was like, hey, uh, uh, Bron, Tyrion wants to see you. And then 
the world the world changed. It was good to be back in King's Landing, though. You know, it was it's good to see everything again. It's so strange. First off, it's even strange just making a podcast about it. And Marco's here. Mm. I only know Marco for like a week and a half, two weeks, <laughs> and it's just <laughs> this, the whole the whole situation is really cool. So it's seeing King's Landing for the first time, seeing Peter Dinklage in a scene, seeing Braun in a scene, seeing Pod in a scene, seeing these people in a scene. Rather than just an eclipse, it wasn't it? It just it seemed like anything could could have happened. Yeah, it's good to be back, and it's, as, as always, nice. Nice. They're they're almost uh, our friends, right? So it's good to see old friends and follow their adventures, and you never know what's going to happen. You're right. I think you know, like Tyrion wanted Bronn because he's feeling quite vulnerable. I mean, he's he's kind of on, well, he's pretty well on the mend. So we actually didn't have to deal with the whole. Really, really bad healing process for Tyrion. He's mostly healed. He looks good. He's able to walk out and about, but he's still feeling vulnerable. And in fact, I was shocked to see that that little clip of him grabbing the axe uh, that we saw in the season three trailer was actually <laughs> to answer the door where his sister was on the other <laughs> side of the door. And I was blown away. I was like, that is badass. You need like an axe, a double edged axe to, to guard yourself from her. But of course, obviously it's within reason. I just think it was. I didn't expect to see that clip used so quickly uh, in the show, but I liked it once I'd seen it. True, yeah, me neither. I didn't expect it, but it shows his insecurity really well. But I also think you you saw some insecurity on the part of uh, Cersei in this scene, too, where she's very concerned about Tyrion telling lies to Tywin, and then Tyrion responds by saying, you know, what lies would those be, or any lies in particular? So... Clearly, she's she's quite concerned. I, I, but I don't think it's anything that Tywin doesn't already know or or you know hasn't heard previously regarding like Jamie and her. Yeah, and regarding Joffrey and yeah, I wonder he can hold a lot of shit against Tyrion, but when it comes to like sorting his daughter out, he seems to have taken a uh, you know a vacation. I I really like the next scene where Bronn shows up and you know he goes one on one with. Sir Marin. Yeah, that almost got ugly super quick. <laughs> he doesn't care though. I mean, he he is the sellsword, but he has no level of respect for other people, and I think it's just great. Like he he's not gonna <laughs> he's not gonna really bend the knee to anybody. Uh, he will for a price, and that price is double because he's a knight now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so funny. Uh, Sir Brown of Blackwater marches in with his curved blade <laughs> on the back of his belt. It was perfect timing because the queen walks out and she just kind of looks at him like, "Yeah, you're Brown." He's like, "Yeah, you're the queen." She walks by. It was a good scene, and you know, someone almost got their neck slit. And I don't think it would have been Brown. <laughs> I mean, they, they have like plus fifty four agility and defense. Not to jump ahead, Marguerite pointed out that Circe even was wearing armor or wearing metal, like as part of her outfit on this episode and I was right. kind of blown away. But right. she did that on uh, Blackwater, right? As well during the battle, she had that on. I'm sh- I didn't notice it and I don't know if it was pointed out. Um, mm. Obviously, I, I mean, I do tend to miss those finer details um, when I'm watching, but I, you know, everybody's kind of really protecting themselves. It's like the calm after a storm, but people know a war is still going on, like mm. pretty much like what the Stannis plot was all about this episode about there still being a fight or a battle to be had. And people are still wearing armor, and and Tyrion is walking around King's Landing, where his his entire family, except for Jaime, are currently, and he still feels the need to bring Bronn with him for protection. So yeah. it's the tension is not necessarily down, you know. Oh, if no. anything, it's up a notch. Yeah, the Cold War of Westeros. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think we talked a little bit about this, um, you know, when we discussed the end of of season two, and really, Tyrion has had a fall from power. And not necessarily for you know any any negative reason. I mean, even Varys in in those last scenes was talking about the sort of the honorable job that he did to defend King's Landing. But now you see him going around needing security, and I, I think you really got a taste for what kind of situation he's in when he had that conversation with Tywin. Yeah. Um, but he was telling Tywin, you know, hey, that badge looks pretty good on you. <laughs> Not as good as it looked on me, but whatever. No, but you – well, number one, I think you get a taste for Tywin and his yeah. character in this scene, which really you didn't get up until this point. I think you got more of the real Tywin in season one than you did in season two. They made Tywin very sympathetic uh, in season yeah. two with Arya. 
Um, but now it's it's like he's come back to his season one form, and he just rips Tyrion apart in this conversation. It actually reminded me a lot of Book Tywin. I mean, I think less of his character because when you bring up that you know, as Tywin did, that Tyrion killed his mom to come into this world. Like, you really just can't hold that against a kid. You can't. And it's something that Tyrion will always improperly feel guilty for, the, you know, his entire life, the killing his mom. So when he, when Tywin opened with that line, I was like, okay, you know, going to turn this on mute to protect my image of Tywin. But I didn't. And now <laughs> I hate him. So uh, That was low. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's just – he laid into to Tyrion. And, and here's the thing. Like, Tyrion just bowed his head, got off of his chair – and walked away and, and, and took it and he took it. And I respected Tyrion that much more. Uh, again, this is, this is really dealing with your, the issue, you know, here where he's, he's handling it. And he was bold. He asked for Casterly Rock. At the very least, he's getting better living quarters. And he approached his father about why he didn't visit him. And he said, what was it, the line? Jugglers, uh, he said, jugglers and singers require applause. You yeah. are a Lannister. Yeah, so he's just really expecting Tyrion to be a little bit harder. And here's the thing. Even though, Micah, even though what Tywin said was uh, harsh, um, he also, I think, had a little bit of a point in terms of Tyrion's uh, indiscretions with whores or his affinity to, to whores. And, and I think he – clearly the whores are an issue for Tywin and that is kind of the crux it seemed to be at least the dividing argument between why really Tywin couldn't give Casterly Rock to Tyrion because he says you'll turn it into some, you know, big whorehouse. And I think that's a legitimate concern simply because Tyrion hasn't really yet, even though he's witty, even though he's cunning, he still kind of hasn't given that kind of sacrifice, like sacrificed his enjoyment of the world to, to be somebody bigger. And obviously that's something that Tywin would respond to a little bit better if he didn't keep sleeping around or, you know, I know he has Shay, you know, is, is steady. I, I think that's, that's a really harsh criticism, <clears throat> excuse me, on the, on the part of Tywin though, because he, he's making the assumption that Tyrion did very little, uh, to contribute to, uh, the battle against Stannis. When in fact, he's the whole reason why I think, you know, King's Landing possibly wasn't sacked uh, by Stannis himself, and you know Tywin would have gotten there too late with the Tyrells. So you know he looks to himself as being this great champion of having rode in and, and attacked them from behind, essentially. Um, and and I think he doesn't pay enough credit to Tyrion for what he did. Mm, I, I I think he at least conceded that you know it was well executed, and that Tyrion for the planning that he did was smart with it. I think that was that much was said in the show. He said, I'm gonna give you a title, you're gonna you're gonna get a job, you're gonna get housing, you're gonna get basically everything that you deserve, and you did a good job. I think he yeah. can he can see that he did a good job, but he didn't give him Castle Rock. No, and and that's because of his fears with the whores. Like I think it all comes down to Tyrion still <laughs> He's not horophobic. He's horophobic, He's, yeah. <laughs> I think he is. I think it's it's really that and I don't think, you know, very unfairly it's clear that Tywin still blames Tyrion for the death of his mother, so he doesn't want to see Tyrion with a woman because maybe it reminds him of himself and the woman he used to have. That's an interesting point. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Or because it's giving his family a bad reputation. That too. The, the, the last point I'll say is this is not the you are my son Tywin from season two where he appoints him hand of the king. Hmm. Remember, that's that's who he was last season. Definitely not coming across that way now. Yeah, it almost seems like a harsh change, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it does, yeah. Like a writing change. Mm -hmm. no, but yeah, in the first season, it, feel, it felt that the um, it was because Jamie was a captive, right? So he lost this first son that he has. And then Tyrion was a good enough replacement. He didn't have anyone else to to go to. Uh, that, that was kind of what I, what I saw behind Tywin's reasoning in season one. So at, uh, at this point, Tyrion was, was good enough to use in his machinations and his plans. But uh, nothing has changed, right? Jaime is still, still a captive and his whole attitude towards Tyrion changes now in season three. 
at least, yeah, there's little reason why he should be so harsh on him right now. So that, that was a bit uh, strange in that way, yes. My, um, my specific note for this scene that we're talking about was, oh my god, he took that well. So I, I still think Tyrion really handled that pretty darn well, um, considering. And there will always be room, I hope, for them to spend more time and really to just... I don't know, interact. Maybe I really hope that Tywin gets a little bit more appreciation for Tyrion because clearly he is so well loved um by the other viewers of the show and for good reason. Um so there's that. But there was a scene that I didn't really understand at all this episode. Uh if we can move on and it was the scene with Baelish where Baelish comes and visits Sansa. I didn't really get what advice Shay was given by the other handmaiden, and I guess I just really didn't see much of handmaidens a, being kind. You're talking about the alpha whore, all right? Call her by her name. Don't be afraid. Okay, his but she was his uh, personal affair setter, right? She was she she introduced herself oh. that way to Shay. She was being PC, I think, in terms of her. Yeah, they they both know who they are. At the end, that, that little conversation between the two—that's good. Like the uh, we've done well for for. Girls like us. Right? Yeah, no, she that was, that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. But she was, she, she told her to watch out for, I guess it was Sansa, but then she also said, watch out for her with him. Yeah. So I don't know if that means that Littlefinger's got some bad, um, you know, plans for Sansa or what. I don't know what that means at all. Obviously, it means that Baelish is a dick. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. and Ross knows that, right? That, that yeah, was she knows. her experience. That, that's why she leaned towards Varys at the, at the end of last season, right? He's a 1920s private eye, Dick Baelish, the dick. He's an asshole. Seriously, <laughs> though. Like, no, I mean, the thing, the whole, the, this entire scene when he walks to the to the deck and we actually got a facebook post i'm, I'm looking because uh, i'm trolling the owns right now and we got, <laughs> we got a post that i'm not sure if it's an own but uh from jeffrey eggleston and he said uh shay if we're putting an end to sansa's dumb game that no self-respecting adult would play <laughs> so they're sitting there looking at both <laughs> and this boat went here and jeff doesn't like that no but uh you know baelish walks in and just kind of stomps up and we get to see him again, just scheming. And that entire time the scene was playing, I was thinking, you know, there are a lot of things that drive your interest, Dick Baelish. But in this particular case, it's because it's an attractive girl, you know, and she's just a little too young and it's just a little too weird, but it's happening. So once again, Baelish got to, but, but he did it really well because Sansa, I mean, she smelled a rat, but she's so naive. She didn't necessarily smell a rat. It looked like she mm -hmm. was just about ready to do anything just to get out of there, obviously. Yeah, but I don't think she smells... I, I, I think she smells a rat very well. I, I think her whole approach to things is going to change very significantly. I think you saw it a little bit towards the end of last season. I think she's a lot wiser than she was. Uh, she's a lot less um, impressionable and a lot less naive as well. Yeah, it's, it's like she knows that she shouldn't. It's the same sort of apprehension that Ned and her mother had when they were making their own sort of deals with Baelish. And we, we know how that all turned out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you even got that bit from Roz because Roz is from the general Winterfell area. And she talks personally about Sansa at one point. Basically Roz was there to say, Hey, Shay, take care of her. And she's like, Oh, I will. And I'm thinking, well, you haven't known her that long, but okay. And then, <laughs> you know, she was like, I always, she said, I always do. And I thought that was, you know, a, a, a strange time passage moment. Maybe some of you guys watching caught that, but, um, it was horror bonding. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> bonding, that's a thing. All right. Well, Eric, I want to know your thoughts about Stannis. All right. Cause you you tweeted literally today. You said, I'm a, I'm a Stannis man. I'm a Stannis man. So tell us, so tell us, you know, what do you think about old Stannis here? I was actually all about Davos in this, in the, in this episode. Davos goes on his own odyssey. He wakes up on a rock. Yes. He has to flag <laughs> down a ship. Okay. But here's the thing. When the boat comes and they ask him what king he's loyal to. I know. Oh, yeah. oh my God. That he's there so with, good. he's. He's there with his shirt off. His skin is flayed from the dragon fire. You know, it's 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 got it's got yeah, wildfire, <laughs> wildfire. I always call it that. I don't know why I always it was call dangerous. It wildfire. It was dangerous. Okay, it was dangerous. Yeah. He's standing there with his shirt off, and he he has a moment where he has to to figure out if he's gonna tell the truth or not. And right. being the honorable, being the honorable smuggler that he is, he <laughs> says the one true king 
Stannis Baratheon. And when the guy on the other boat smiles, I just let out a minute of air. And I was like, oh, a thank minute. God. <laughs> a minute of air. I was holding my breath that whole scene. What a, what a strange world they live in, huh? Such a strange yeah. world that a guy pulls up on a boat, asks you who your allegiance is to. And if you answer the question wrongly, he's going to spear you with his fishing spear, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that moment right there, I can honestly say that I wasn't too overly concerned with Davos. And I know that he's a POV character in the future, but up until that moment and, and the, the scene next with Salador in the boat, I, I, I respected him as a character and as his sort of moral compass playing in the Stannis Melisandre situation. But I'm now a, a huge fan of the Onion Knight. I thought he had some swagger. I thought he had some bravery. I think he cares a little bit too much about Stannis, but that's just part of who he is. Like you can't, Align with every character in every single way, but he's a badass. I mean, here are some other awesome things he did this episode. First of all, he asked a friend uh, for a favor who didn't want to be asked for a favor. <laughs> he, he asked him anyway. He's like, I'm going to ask you anyway. And, you know, he brings a knife to his, his reunion with Stannis and attempts to kill Melisandra. I was blown away. I was like, did he really just try and kill her in front of like he wasted no time. He had no issue doing that, and obviously it was stupid because he got himself in prison now, but he made his intentions clear. He does not like her. He does not like Melisandre, and you really have to – you have to like really love and get alongside someone who's that bold, but for the right reasons. And yeah. Stannis, though, to answer your question, Zach, like I did th- – I was good to see him. It's good to see him. He's looking good, but I'm thinking looking he's good. kind of like in the zombie. He's drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm thinking he's no, drinking the Kool Aid a little bit too much. Stannis looked a bit aged. He had that five o'clock you. shadow going on. I thought a little stubbly. I don't know. Yep. I, yep. I just thought he 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 was a little too Kool Aid. I mean, we learned that he's been having bonfires, uh, you know, for 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 some dudes that speak ill against Melisandre. But yeah, so I don't know about Stannis. I don't know if I'm going to like him this season as much as I did last season. But in terms of uh, Davos Seaworth, yeah. I, I think he really had the best – he either had the most scenes or definitely the most, like, action scenes because he he, trans, he went all the way to Dragonstone. There's that scene where they're pulling up on the shore of Dragonstone mm-hmm. and that, like, yeah. magnificent palace. And I'm like, wow. Like, that's just – I was blown away by the visual. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know we had thought that that was a scene with uh, Jamie and Brienne, but in fact, it was, it was Davos coming up on Dragonstone. Well, go mm-hmm. Davos, you know? Good for you. Good for you, Sir Davos. Davos, the Ununite rises from the ashes. The way they handled his scene with Salador was great. And the way they handled him oh, speaking yeah. about the death of his son. I mean, again, if you're looking for any reason watching the show to stand behind certain characters, stand behind Davos. Because from what I've seen, some of the worst things he's ever done has been a smuggler and like he stole onions and shit. So he's cool. <laughs> he's a cool guy. And yeah. after all that happened to him, I mean, he said he literally had a line was, oh, I, I watched him burn to death. And then that red bitch was like, hey, death by fire is the best fire. I mean, he wanted to stab her real bad. And I think he should have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, how much of a I mean, how cold hearted is that to say to somebody who just lost their son? It's like I told your son exactly what you just said, Zach. Right. Death by fire mm-hmm. is the best, essentially. And that's how he died. When he I mean, walked brutal. into the throne room or whenever he walked into the chamber that Stannis was hanging out, you could – this was the greatest part about it because you know that he's despondent. Something's going on with her right now, obviously. She's whispering parlor tricks. I mean if she can birth a demon from her, from her place inside of her body, think about this for a second. She can convince a guy – that he sucks and he just become a soulless golem and you know and just to just hop around and not really do any good things like burning people for example, but he walks in and Stannis when he looks around he has like this it was acted so well I just thought it was brilliant because he pauses and then you can see it in his face where he's thinking like. I could be like, hey, it's great to see you. Oh, but right now I'm really depressed, so I'm just going to say something negative instead. But essentially, <laughs> in his mind, I, I saw the thought. He was like, wow, you went a really far away to get here. Because think about just what we saw in the episode. He woke up on a rock from being yeah. blown <laughs> off of a ship, and now he just walks into the chamber and goes, your grace, you know, just like normal, just like last season. It's beautiful. Yeah. The, the journey of the Onion Knight. On Game of Thrones yeah. today, <laughs> it was my favorite uh, plotline in, in this episode. I think even even more than Danny's at this point. But 
Uh, well, one of one of the two. Yeah. How about when Melisandre blames uh, Davos for the fact that Blackwater happened and that all those men died? She's like, "I could have saved them," which I think was BS. Oh, How yeah. could you possibly mm. save those guys from burning? But she's like, "I could have saved them," but certain somebody convinced Stannis yeah. not to take me along. Yeah. And I was just like, "Man, she's got it out for him." And you know. That's the thing that I like about her character. Obviously, I hate the character, but she has the best, most like uh, ignorant Bestest. lines that like they just eat. They just eat at your soul because she, you see how she wears people down with her words, and she's just got that striking personality that's like an inner fire. And you know, I can't wait to see where she goes in this season. This was good, but I hope she dies, and I hope she yeah. dies at the hands of Davos <laughs> for what she said to him about his son. <laughs> I hope she dies in the hands of Brienne for what for what she did to Renly. Oh, I'm sad. That's my sad. That sound. was so season two. That was so season. Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm holding on to it. Okay, damn it. I'm so pissed. Yeah. He is the. She destroyed. Anyway. She may have killed Renly, but she also destroyed the bromance between Stannis and the Onion Knight. Yeah, and but that was such a strange bromance, though. Yeah, it, it's asymmetric, right? Because for Stannis, it's, it's it's all about duty and what people need to do and so on so in a way well it's not it's not it's a bit far-fetched but a, a bit a bit like what Tywin does right they, you don't need applause uh, if you do what you have to do because it's mm. your duty it's yeah. not that strong and obviously Stannis appreciates Davos a whole lot but it, it's not that he, he's not an affectionate guy and then uh, the, on, on the other side Davos loves Stannis for, for all he is, right? So that mm -hmm. it's an interesting character dynamic there. That's one of the reasons I didn't see much of a change in Stannis. I'm I'm definitely not someone who's against Stannis. I think he's definitely going through some weird shit with this girl. And hell, we've all been there. I get it. But it's <laughs> it's uh it's a it's a hard place that he's in. And like I was saying about when Davos walked in the door, I don't think that there would have been much different of, of reaction in season two pre Blackwater battle if that if that would have happened. He, I I don't know. He's a very conflicted character in terms of I'm not quite sure what he believes in. All he wants, as Marco was saying earlier, is to do his duty and, and to, to claim the throne. And I don't think he really cares much about how he gets there as long as he does get there. I think all of these all of these points that we've all been saying about him, they add up to the conclusion that Renly had when he decided to take the crown for himself. He knew all these things about his brother, and he said, "This is what I'm gonna do," and that's why he had so many supporters until you know the unthinkable happened. Yeah, um, Stannis has kind of gone into seclusion, like the guy tells uh, Davos. You know, he says he's not, he doesn't take any visitors, and nobody sees him. And so, I guess you're right. Renly kind of, I guess, saw that his brother was that way, and decided that he would be a little bit more. Used to the kingdoms. He's not likable. You know what I mean? It, it's Nobody so likes you. <laughs> you two look like two big rig boys. I would slap your heads together if I were your mother. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange when you think about all these characters. And, you know, Marco was just saying, oh, that was my favorite plot line of this episode. Or that was my favorite plot line of this episode. But the really, the funny uniting fact about this entire show is that, obviously, but it, it, it needs to be said sometimes that these are all happening at the same time. And all of these consequences are affecting the consequences and realities for all of these other character storylines. Whether we like these characters or not, they're all living in the same world and they're, they're, they're counteracting and they're reacting with each other. And it's a really strange mix because what's happening with Davos and Stannis, um, you know, that has a lot to do with what Rob and Kat are doing. Or that has a lot to do with Danny. And, and Jorah, that has a lot to do with, with the way things are shaping up at King's Landing. That has a lot to do with the, the alleys and the little hand carts that they're being carried through an alley because their legs apparently don't work. Can we, can we talk about that for a moment? And, yeah. Uh, specifically Marjorie Tyrell because I think one of the things that we're going to get and, – and I know it was touched on uh, during the last episode. I, I can't remember who talked about it, but we're going to have more time here to really flesh out a lot of characters um, because this book is split into two seasons. And I thought you really got some good insight into the character of Marjorie Tyrell. You saw some during the little uh, family dinner time that they had later on in the episode, but just the fact that she went out there and, and she was willing to sort of endear herself to the, the quote unquote common folk 
I think I feel like that's insight normally you wouldn't get into somebody like her. That felt strange. Now I feel guilty for not responding that positively to that scene when I was watching it. Like she's visiting the orphans, but I was just thinking, flea okay, where's this going? Our favorite place, yeah. Flea Bottom. Yeah, our favorite Flea Bottom where Arya was hanging out in book one. I see the scene and I think, big fake. Big fake. Big, I thought so too. Biggest fake. She was so she was so cunning in <laughs> but not, season two at not, the tent. Not good at it though. And that's Cersei smelled her bullshit from a while away at dinner time. She was like, Oh, <laughs> one of these people. I've had to deal with these before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. you're giving to you're giving to the poor. That's cute. Mm. I'm the queen. <laughs> but she's playing the game. That's the whole thing. And you're seeing how she's doing it. Yeah. I mean, just to someone so crafty as Cersei, imagine if Tyrion saw her doing that. He would be like, oh, Marjorie Tyrell. Oh, it's so nice of you to pay this orphanage a visit. How about the other 400 starving children across the next street corner? You know what I mean? Something like that. He would make a yeah. – just like, oh, this is good for PR. You know, this makes sense. You're doing it in front of the mm. king too. Oh, stop it. Pull up his shade. Well, I, I think that's the that's the right way to, to rule King's Landing. It's the surely it's it's fake at least partly, but it's also smart politics. And it's not so much about gaining the upper hand at court and so on at this point, maybe. But if she wants ever to be queen, she needs to have people on her side, right? Unlike Joffrey. So if the prospect is marrying uh, a king that no one likes, at least she should be liked. And then that that's the way to go, right? You need to start somewhere. That's exactly how I felt when I was watching it. I was like, oh, I see what she's doing here. Because we did just see in a previous season a, a revolt, basically, where they had a mini revolution inside of the castle. And a battle exactly. has, has brought them together, sort of, for now, because they're kind of rebuilding. I saw some scaffolding and whatnot yeah. and some of the shots. But what she's doing is so smart because, you know, the marriage isn't final yet. Sansa's still a pretty little thing. and She's still hopping around and Joffrey's still kind of unpredictable and crazy. So we don't know. But she comes in and she stomps through the mud. So obviously she's cool. Right. I think that was the point in that shot. Um, and I love her character for this because even though she's not being secretive about it, like she's not being so crafty that people can't smell what she's doing but that's the beauty of it she knows that they can but can you imagine how awkward that would be to say out loud like at dinner for example if if cersei were to say marguerite i see that you visited these poor people and helped them that was very noble of you are you trying to win the citizens over <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i mean probably wouldn't have gone over too well uh but Cersei also had a tough dinner, um, courtesy of Joffrey. <laughs> you know what? Loras, old. Yeah, yeah. Loras and Marguerite had that look. They shared this look to each other when he was just beating Cersei verbally. But I, I don't really know what that look meant. It's just they know what they're getting into. And they strike me as being very uh, – coordinated individuals like with with marguerite knowing and calling renly on his you know indiscretions with with loris it was the same marguerite there and they just look at each other and you know they share kind of everything including men and <laughs> you know they clearly have a plan they clearly know exactly what sort of person joffrey is oh yeah which excites me to see them going forward and you know what i guess that the, even though i said it was uninteresting her scene she did give that night to that kid and that was touching she was like, "Think of your father every time you look at this night." And I was like, "That's pretty cool." Yeah, no, she's she's a she's a great new character. I mean, she's not really new because she was in last season, but I definitely feel like she's becoming obviously much more prominent and it's it's so strange how this show cycles characters out. And that's that's something that I haven't seen in a television show before. You know what I mean? Like usually it's like, yeah. "Well, here it is, first season, there's a few new people, but they're just supporting your, you know, your main people are here." But mm -hmm. Here they are, and you know that's how he writes the books. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very organic, and every viewer can find someone to identify with, or at least root for. There you go. Or that. There you go. But I think in general, it was it was a tough episode uh, for mothers. Uh, uh, Cersei got called old, which is never something you want to be called by uh, by your son. Your bitch of a son. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then. Catalin found herself behind bars. Yeah. 
That did happen. Yeah. When they first arrived at Hall, I was thinking, oh, man, if only Arya had waited like another two days, Rob would have been there. She would have been reunited. <laughs> but then, I was, then when they got inside the gates, I was like, oh, nope, never mind. I'm glad Arya wasn't there. <laughs> we didn't get to see Arya this episode, did we? No. No. Damn. It was originally planned to be in this episode, but then they shuffled it. Oh. oh good to know. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we didn't get any Arya. We didn't get any Jamie or Brienne. We didn't get any Bran. A lot of characters left out of this first episode. Bran looks old. I can, I can, um, from the preview, Arya's in the preview as well. So I think we'll probably see her stuff for, for next episode as well as, uh, what is the Queen of Thorns? Is that it? Marguerite's mother? Um, yeah, we're all in the preview for. Yes, yeah, so we're making common all these new characters that are stamped, but that's nothing. This is just episode one of, of uh, season <laughs> two. We're, we're very early on on the new things, and it's exciting. It's a really exciting time for the show and for the podcast and stuff like that. But no, seriously, though, I thought this episode was great. It was, on the other hand, a little slow. Does anybody think it was kind of slow? It was slow. Yeah, I, I felt um, you know, it was a little hard to to catch up because – it it did go to a lot of different places. I know we mentioned that there were things that were left out, characters that were left out that we didn't get a chance to see. But at the same time, I felt like it was jumping all over the place. It was it was slow. Like Tyrion went to the principal's office, and so that was a sitting <laughs> scene. There was a lot of sitting <laughs> scenes, a lot of catching up. You know, Salador and Davos catching up, and and yeah. I, I think that's necessary. It's definitely what we needed in this uh, intro episode. And that's why overall I'm coming away from the episode and saying this was a solid episode, not just because we're in HBO's back pocket. Uh, it's great back here. But also because <laughs> Barristan popped in. I wish in. we were. Yeah. We'd get paid a lot more. <laughs> but uh, no, Barristan popped in at the end and that was that was brilliant. That was that was excellent. So I, I, I literally was taken aback. I was like, holy shit. And so I'm sure it was the same for you, Eric. Because yeah. we didn't know. I had no idea. And that was great. No. Yeah, it absolutely was. I think that I'm going to probably, when I rewatch it, I'm just going to wait for that scene. And I don't know who, what the hell that little kid is like, but I thought he handled it really well. And I think she's going to let him on her, her team, uh, which, you know, Jorah would probably think is a bad idea. But I think she's going <laughs> to do it. Yeah, I, I think it just – it it did set the tone for the season very well because uh, – you know, you have the the Lannisters who don't trust each other. You could tell that that Joffrey may be a little bit on edge. Cersei definitely is. Tyrion is. Uh, the Tyrells are, are clearly planning uh, behind the scenes, and you know, um, even Rob. Uh, he, you can tell that his men that are, have been following him. You know, they show that scene between Bolton and Karstark. Uh, they're starting to possibly doubt. Um, a lot of what they've been fighting for over the course of the last several months. Well, a lot of that year. came down to Kat's decision to kick Jamie out and do his thing. Yeah, and that's why that one steal, that one stolen look from Rob up top to the guy on the battlement. He was like, "All right, if I don't make a kingly decision now and put this woman who freed the Kingslayer behind bars, then they're gonna have my head." You know, mm -hmm. he really had that contempt for Kat, though, and I thought it was deserved. So I was glad for that. You know, he's not letting his emotions cloud his judgment. So what about owns of the episode? Mm. What do you guys think? I, I, it's so strange that we're back at this this crossroad, Micah, <laughs> Eric, now Marco. We're here, and this was the original sort of – this was like, hey, let's, let's call the – let's pick the coolest part of the I'll, <laughs> episode. I'll kick us off. All right. Go for it. All right. I'm giving it to Tyrion. Uh, what a shock. What a shock. The first own of says, season three officially goes to says, Tyrion, everybody. <laughs> Uh, to Cersei, you must be proud to be as funny as a bald man whose balls touch his knees. <laughs> <laughs> that was submitted to us like a hundred times tonight. Was so, it really? Yeah. <laughs> um, mine uh, flashed by in an instant, but it's uh, pretty memorable, I think. It's the trick that the dragon did with the fish. When it it chucked it up, oh, we got burned a it, for and then too, caught yes. it in its mouth. <laughs> yes, that is that. I saw that and I was like, okay, that's my own. Whatever else happens in this episode, of course, all the Dav all the uh, Davos stuff happened after that. But I was like, nope, got to stick to my guns. That dragon was awesome. Can you imagine how advanced the human race would be if we were efficient enough to create our own fire <laughs> <laughs> and energy? <laughs> That'd be perfect. Oh well, man, uh, mine would be uh, Davos. Uh, revealing his colors and calling in for Stannis. Yeah, that 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 moment of tense uh, tension that was really good. 
I think that's probably a contender for owner of the season. Um, I'm going to echo that same regard, except mine slightly spun. Davos and Salador, they shared a conversation with one another inside of a pirate vessel where they kept gold <laughs> and other fittings appropriate for pirate people. And this is what they said. He was talking about a favor, something that was kind of a big favor, especially for Salador, because Blackwater just happened. So we got to remember that. He said, you drank with me on my wedding day, as if to say... We're so close. This is serious. And Salador said, and you drank with me on four of my wedding days, and I'm not asking for any favors from you. So I thought that was a pretty good moment. Yeah. Yeah. That was good one. Yeah. So, I mean, mean, if anything, it was funny, but they also are strong friends. And I think that we were given that impression early on, especially in last season. But that's – I mean, come on. He went to four of his weddings, four of them. Well, the real question is, does he still have all four wives or did he, you know – Divorce. <laughs> Divorce. Westerosi. Divorce is C. Walk the plank. Solidor may have <laughs> wives in like all different parts of the kingdom. Yeah, but Seven kingdoms. it'd be so much easier to live a quadruple life back in those days. So you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> no modern means of communication. Yet. Right, right. Let us waltz over to the Twitter feed right now. And of course, we were asking for your tweets or your owns waltz. during the episode. We will continue to do that, and if you continue to have them as you watch, I guess we got some from people that were in Europe and they were guessing. <laughs> such such as Conan B says, I'm in Europe, but I'm going to guess there's an epic Mance Raider own. <laughs> so there's that. What was the Mance Raider own this, this episode, would you guys say? I think – wasn't it him telling John we're going to need to get you a different coat? <laughs> I think it was so always- you keep – listen, we keep throwing stones at you. We need to get you another coat. Jamie Frazier says everything Marjorie Tyrell. Uh, okay, let me find some. How about uh, uh, Mary Larson says, when the unsullied soldier didn't even flinch during the worst purple nurple ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vicky, I was going to go. I was literally one. about to read that. Oh, oh, then let's both do it. Let's both do it. At the same time? Yeah, yeah. V- Vicky says, okay, beginning of the episode when Old Bear basically tells Sam... You had you one had job. one job. <laughs> <laughs> and had that disappointed look. Oh, Sam. Really cut Sam down. You had Sam. one job. Just one. Your one job was to read all of the tweets and you never showed up. Uh, and then you died. And then, then he goes reborn as a White Walker. Oh, God. <laughs> no, but it's a bit unfair. I mean, he was sent out to pick up shit to burn, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that was his second job. And yeah. because of it, he didn't do the first one. <laughs> I was too busy with the shit, my lord. Ryan McAllister, Larry the Wombat says, ghosts totally own that White Walker hashtag own of the week. Is that a thing? It just might be a thing. Miss Lane the Left Lane says, I think the imp just got imp slapped. So, yeah, I guess Tywin slapped him across the face with some knowledge. (laughs) Yep. And again, Um, Maya uh, Nelson says, Sir Sir Barristan Selmy killing that mega scorpion. Emily Rugburn. Writes in, Miss Penny Lane 516 on Twitter says, Owner of the Week goes to that little shit for scaring the shit out of everyone watching Game of Owns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just realized that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, first off, Game of Owns is not a TV show, not yet. Second off, that little shit was scary. I definitely didn't see it coming. My sound got out of sync on HBO Go on the app when that happened. So I didn't get to hear her like run into the water. Uh, so I saw her making, she made the face as she was like, the sound was her running across the deck and jumping in the water. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it was less scary for me because I knew that nothing bloody happened. I didn't hear any blood. <laughs> so And Sneha Powdermain says, Jon Snow and freedom! Borden Wilson, who wrote in recently, wrote in again and said, Podrick owned Braun before Braun's mouth could own the whore. <laughs> so... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Borden Wilson... Ringing it well, in. <laughs> Again, <laughs> honorable mention for Jeffrey for his comment from earlier in the show. Uh, there's a few things. people. A lot of people thought that Padre Cohen Braun, uh, Lindsay Judy wrote on Facebook, said, I think this episode may have owned Eric's love for Taiwan, and it was also liked by some people. Uh, so, Eric, to, would you have anything to say to Lindsay? Do you want to just get it out here right now? Let's just put you yep. on the spot. Taiwan and Eric. Are you guys breaking up? Are you guys staying together? We're breaking up, and we're not staying together for the kids. Damn it! Um, <laughs> nope. Nope. I think, 
you know, I, I, I'll, I'll keep the door open. I'll, 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 I won't ask him for his keys back, but, uh, <laughs> Computer you know, stuff. I, I you think, can leave some of your things here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things right now because he was pretty harsh to Tyrion, even though I see he really just wants to inspire him to be a better, you know, leader, less with the whores. <laughs> Well, Twitter exists. It's a place that all of you guys have sent your owns. We've been inundated, and unfortunately, we can't get to each of them. Keep sending them in each week. I think we'll pick out the funniest, most interesting ones where when we read them to other people, they're entertained. That's like free content for the show. So you're like basically writing part of the episode for us. So if you want to write part of a game of owns, just make a funny Facebook post or a funny comment. On, I was about to say funny YouTube comment, but those don't exist. <laughs> they make a funny <laughs> Twitter app reply. And it doesn't really have to be funny. Just witty, crafted, something better than what I'm saying right now, if that's any frame of reference for you. Yes, yes. So, Zach, can you tell me how to get how to get the Game of Owns Twitter? Well, here's what you do. You log on to winnerscoming.net. You find the Hear Me Roar username, who's always writing nice articles and things about Game of Thrones. And then you say, hey, how do I get to... Game of Owns on Twitter, and he says, well, if you pay me $15 a month subscription, our Twitter account is twitter.com slash Game of Owns. Yes, indeed. And you and can always... free. You don't have to tweet us. You can email us <gasps> oh, if you it, have an account. It's all free, by the way. <laughs> it is. This is all free. At no point will you see any cents or dollars deducted from your account. Uh, unless you want, like, special... If you want me to, like, create a voicemail for you, uh, for when people call you. I will do that, but that I'm charging <laughs> for that. Anyway, if you want to email us, it's uh, contact at gameofones.com. It is. We have some emails, but we'll save those. We've got a long week ahead of us. We'll save these emails, all right? Yes. They're, all, they're all timely. They're all good. Uh, Zexap, uh, that's our website, so www.winteriscoming.net. Uh, join us there for all the latest news and rumors uh, from the world of Game of Thrones. It's actually... So interesting because literally before we started recording this episode, Phil had already posted the recap to the website. And I was like, damn, you guys are fast. <laughs> I didn't realize he saw it like three weeks ago. Oh, shit. Damn it. Now I don't think he's magical at all. Oh. No, no. That's why. We had it scheduled to go up. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Not only do I feel silly, I also feel you know what? Let's take up arms. All right, Winterfell. <laughs> I'm so pissed right now. The magic is gone. Oh, I let him know. Literally yeah. just told me Santa Claus doesn't exist. I was like, oh, I love this partnership. <laughs> These guys are working so hard. Yeah, I got the episode like, what is it, like three months ago? Something like that. That's <laughs> if you guys have uh, enjoyed what you've listened to, uh, you can, of course, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, the season is upon us. It's here. And uh, we have plenty more episodes to go through, but uh, we appreciate your feedback. All it takes is uh, a few short minutes and nothing less than five stars is acceptable on iTunes, especially during uh, season three. Uh, you know, it's it's always good for people out there who, you know, maybe just be getting maybe just be getting in. <laughs> there I'm, you go. I'm doing all right. Uh, <laughs> maybe just be getting into uh, Game of Thrones, whether it's the books or the TV show, to uh, to find out. Uh, about this little podcast that we do here called uh, Game of Owns. And uh, as is customary, we do make threats to our listeners. Uh, should they decide not to rate and review us five stars, we promise that that creepy girl uh, that made her cameo appearance in uh, episode one just a few hours ago will haunt your dreams oh my for nights to come if you choose not to give us five stars. And let's face it. That was one creepy ass girl. Also, yes. if you do not forward this email to at least ten other people, that creepy. <laughs> also, she was the scary girl from the elevator video, the Brazilian scary show. You oh guys, my god! I that saw was the same mind. girl. That was the same that was girl. So mean. They yeah. hired her. They said, "Do this now, please. Oh, Take this man. manicure. It's yours." I want to know what that girl's been eating. She had like no teeth and a completely black mouth. Shamrock shakes, Eric. <laughs> 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 it's, it's a game. It's a game of owns. We're uh, Game of Thrones slash Song of Ice and Fire podcast. We said that earlier, but I think it's important to say again. So on Wednesday's episode, uh, as as if there wasn't enough uh, Game of Thrones uh, episodes to to digest in one week and to go over all the latest and greatest greatest from season three, we've decided to uh, get in a time machine, take a little uh, trip back, and uh, look at uh, season one and uh, what. What's going to happen is uh, we're going to be in your ears, ears as you watch 
season one. We've uh, we've recorded a bit of a commentary, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed. We had a really good time, uh, Eric, Zach, Selena, and myself going through and really just uh, enjoying the show together uh, for the first time. You know, we're all sitting at our respective. Oh, actually, that's not true. We all kind of flew out to uh, Selena's house <laughs> in uh, Sweden. Basically, we all sat down with big glasses of Dornish wine, watched the show, and recorded it. So we'll be that's bringing it. During this season, during season three, we're going to be coming at you with a new commentary episode each Wednesday. So basically, that just means if you haven't got enough thrones in the days falling directly from this episode airing, every Wednesday, there's going to be some more funny stuff. And we've recorded... Uh, what, what we recorded, we recorded the first one really recently, and it was a lot of fun. So, if you're wondering whether or not to listen to it, our episodes usually aren't as long as this one. But hey, the show is on, so let's let's pop up some Coca Colas. Let's get crazy. So that's oh, yeah. what we're doing on Wednesday. So Wednesday is just a commentary episode. It's fun. If you like it, listen to it uh, and give it five stars because it helps other people find it. Like Micah said, and that's the whole point of this show. Like we don't have ads. We don't have ads at our website. You know, this this isn't about let's try to monetize this thing. It's basically just about we're all friends and now we're we have more friends and we really, really like what's happening with this story. So let's do it together. I'm in. Sorry, I got a little philosophical right there. <laughs> Sold. Cool. Looking forward to listening to that. Marco, we want to thank you for joining us at this late uh midnight hour, or in that case in your case, good morning. Thank you. The birds are singing. Yeah. Uh it's but it's time to go to bed again, catch a few hopefully uh thank you for having me uh it was it was it was great nice experience uh reliving the first episode and going to rewatch it this afternoon with some friends so Ah. uh, this was this was a good prep i think this will definitely be one to rewatch. and what else are you supposed to do within the next seven days really (laughs) hbo wouldn't have have spaced them seven days apart if we weren't supposed to rewatch them seven times each i think it is monday it might be the morning, it may be the afternoon, and it could very well be the evening. Either way, this is Game of Owns. We're a podcast. This is the end. You're listening. You've been listening. And I'm Zach Louie. And I'm Eric Skull. I'm Mike Tenmo. And I'm Michael Tenmo. What was your last name? Gladnik. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You're not from here. Yeah.